Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. 2020 has been some year, and many of us are emerging from it, and we've all processed all of the things differently. If you're Wei Ko, founder of The Rake and Revolution Magazine, someone who's used to being on a plane or constantly on the move, this sudden jolt has been a time to think, to process, to reconsider, and reflect on what really matters. Yes, of course, he still loves his watches, but I've known Wei for quite some time. And behind every expletive laden greeting we've shared, a thoughtful, caring, and philosophical person is now taking the time to share his thoughts, not over Instagram, not through a verbal vomit on a phone, but in writing. Yes, the lost art of writing. Do you remember that? There have been mammoth New Yorker-style pieces coming out from him lately, and it's been absolutely wonderful. Wei and I chat about how The Mandalorian is making us cry, his renewed love of the written word, and why he will continue to pull back the curtain in the watch world, and his unabashed hope for the future. It's Blamo Extra, and Wei Ko is back. But, the, you know, maybe the first thing I'd love to talk to you about is... Uh, Please. The Mandalorian, right? And, and I don't know if you saw um, the season finale of uh, season two. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do a little pause here. There's going to be spoilers for the finale of season two. If you don't want to hear it, I don't even know why you listen to Blamo, but go ahead. So, so uh, you know, I mean, like everyone else, I started, you know, I was, I was starving for content, started to watch The Mandalorian this year, and then became hooked on it, and then was watching every new episode as it came out, especially this season. And season two, um, The Rescue, which is... Uh, you know, basically, like like uh, Mando and his kind of motley crew of like of, of um, uh, fellow soldiers are are basically trapped on on an imperial um, starship, and it looks like the dark troopers, which are these like you know kind of like the unbelievable term- terminators, like as tro- troopers, right? I mean, they're just unbeatable, and and uh, and it, they basically look like they're getting screwed, and then this one lone X-wing kind of flies in. And then this dude comes out of there and the kind of anticipation uh, about who this is, is crazy. Right. And then you see this person in a dark cloak and, and everyone's thinking, is it, wait, hang on, is this Luke Skywalker? Because he's wearing kind of the same outfit that he's wearing. Right. In one of the films. And then you see a green lightsaber. Right. And everyone starts losing their shit. And then you realize that that green lightsaber is being wielded by a gloved hand, which, you know, like because Luke is missing a hand, he's got a robotic hand. And you're like, oh, my God. And then you get basically the equivalent of like the Vader scene in Rogue um, in room one, right, where Vader comes in and just yes. destroys everyone in a hallway. You get that scene, but with this figure. And then he comes in and he reveals himself to be Luke Skywalker. And the thing was, which was really strange for me, was when I was watching this, and I was just bawling like a baby. I was crying my fucking ass off. And and then when he reveals himself to be Skywalker, I was actually like apoplectic with, with shocks, but it was like tears of joy, right? 
you know, then I started to just check on YouTube because I kind of like these reactions, right, to see what people's reactions to this episode was. And universally, you have like, you know, grown men and women just like bawling their eyes out because they're so happy. Right. It, it was amazing because like this, this, um, the show, this, this finale actually gave you everything that you wanted. Right. Like, because so many shows don't like, you know, like for example, Game of Thrones and I'll get into that in a second, but because they completely fucked up that last season. Right. But, but, um, Mandalorian, like just delivered in such a huge way. And I realized that for me, the reason why I was crying and why I was so overjoyed, it, it was because that you have this incredible, you know, mythology that reinforces that good will prevail over evil, right? And I think in the context of of this year, in the context of where we are as a society globally, the idea that good will prevail over evil was maybe in some ways a little bit lost, right? There was this almost kind of prevailing cynicism. And to see that in such a pure way, right, with this figure, this almost mythical, you know, like, like archetypal figure, this almost sort of like, you know, messiah figure coming back and reminding us like about all those values and that you can be a good dude but a badass and good will eventually prevail over evil it was just so uh it was just so uplifting right and and i think that you know we've gone through a period where everything had to be a bit cynical right you know there there was you know everything had to be a little bit sneery and a little bit like oh i'm too cool for me to believe in happy endings and and it was, um, I like, and I use Game of Thrones as, as an example of this. I mean, I love Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. I have to, you know, sort of preface this by saying I'm a huge geek, right? So, but I, I love stuff like that. But they just completely fucked up that whole ending, right? And it's like, look, I understand that there's an issue related to incest here, but, you know, it's all good. I mean, you know, right? Because they get on really well as a couple. Um, but the fact that it had to end so cynically, like the fact that Daenerys had to turn and go crazy, like like Dark Phoenix kind of evil, that really bothered me. Like, why could you not just have ended that with a happy and beautiful idealistic ending where everyone like would be satisfied and you give the fans and myself as one of the fans everything that they wanted, which was just a great happy ending, which reinforces that good will prevail over evil. But you kind of like said, well, it will. But actually, a lot of good people will turn evil, and in the end, you're going to feel very empty and soulless, and, and that was, that really bothered me. So that's why I love Mandalorian, and I think that's why we needed Mandalorian and that that um, episode in particular in the context of 2020. That's oh man, that's a really interesting perspective. Just keep, give people what they want, right? Just give them happiness. You know, you know what I mean, and and because I think that coming out of this, like um, into to next year, which I'm going to, because I made so many proclamations, because I had a shitty 2019, that 2020 was going to rock, so I'm going to creep into 21 with my eyes kind of downcast and with zero expectations, right? But but nonetheless, um, you know, I think one of the things that I really hope we see is that people re-embracing, you know, optimism and happiness and edification and just being nice to each other. Like, that's what I would love to see from the world. Yeah. Well, for I mean, if you're going to help weed the charge, it'll definitely happen. I mean, because to zoom way out, you know, I, I, I'm sorry you had an awful 2019 and obviously a horrible 2020, but up until that and everything else that you've kind of set in a world specifically of menswear and watches, which let's be very blunt, it is elitist and, uh, uh, you know, a, this is our club, not your club. Um, it's kind of shrouded in 
false mystery and you know from revolution to obviously the rake you've kind of sliced through that entire world making it open uh accessible acceptable and i mean it was funny because i it took me a long time to read this but i finally got through your your uh your patek chronograph you know (laughs) encyclopedia by the way i mean geez but i was just like man i was like i love that way is okay sharing all the information he has and doesn't guard it and doesn't hide it and and doesn't live in a snobby world and even though that like you walk through that as everyone else does who wants to be and is in this industry i've never ever seen you you know close things off and and i think you know to to jump back to the fact of like well you know optimism i'm going to try to do this that's like you in a nutshell and i you know and i think a lot of people may have some sort of false understanding based on other interactions with with people that maybe it's a guy at a department store maybe it's like communicating to people that that menswear classic menswear watches all of these things is available to anyone and everyone is i mean that that's the hope and that's the excitement that everyone needs i mean it's it's funny i to kind of top this off i've been reading a lot of world war 2 books just kind of trying to refresh myself of, of a, a time where the entire world more or less collectively was groaning was just, sure. you know, and, uh, I was reading masters of the air, which is about the, the eighth air force and the history of the first, you know, real U S air force. And they were talking about the, like psychoanalyzing the previous, um, soldiers. And they were like, you know, we're trying to find a way to motivate them to, to fight or to make them do it. And there was, you know, and at first they were like, well, what we're going to do is we're, you know, we're going to kind of show them this propaganda and the Nazis are evil. This is way before they discover, you know, Holocaust camps and stuff. And what they found out is that everyone that was fighting and everyone that like really cared, like all the soldiers that did it, they did it because they loved each other. They did it because they loved their families at home. They did it, you know, they would get up in the plane, the bombardiers, because they felt obligations to their their comrades, their colleagues, their friends who are doing this with them. I mean, there's many horrible stories of issues where, you know, a guy is stuck in the bomber belly in the gunner and he can't get out and the plane's going down. And so the rest of the, you know, the, the, the men go down to him and they died together. I mean, so it's this, this shared collecting people were driven, not by anger, not by hate, not by revenge, but by love and hope. I mean, that's the thing to zoom out from. And so like, that's you in a nutshell way. So I think you're going to be fine. That's very kind of you. I, I think that's, that's, you know, it's, it's a lot of praise, but I don't think that's you know, necessarily true. I think if you check with my mother, she'd be like, no, he's actually a fool. But, but the, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that concept of brotherhood <clears throat> because one of the guys that, you know, we featured in the rake this year. And one of the guys that I, I was very inspired by um, is this really cool dude named Dr. Johnny Kim. Right. And, and Dr. Johnny Kim is interesting on several levels. First, he's the first um, Asian-American NASA astronaut, which I think well, I think there was, a, there was one person previously that was like half Asian. But he's, you know, a Korean-American astronaut. But he's also a very interesting person. So he grew up in, in Santa Monica, I think, or you know, in Los Angeles. And, you know, he, 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 he had a very abusive father. Right. Physically abusive father. And it was to the extent of which that his father was actually shot by the police because he was, you know, in this kind of violent, you know, situation where he could really have hurt someone. 
And the interesting thing for me is that a lot of times when people are the, the subject of abuse, right, um, they become abusers themselves, right? Like it's, I guess the simplest, um, you know, uh, example would be if you take a dog and you're abusive to that dog, it's going to be so fearful and then hyper aggressive, right? And, and then, yeah. Then it will attack, right? So uh, hurt people, hurt people, sort of mentality. Right. Yeah. So, so instead of like him, you know, succumbing to that, you know, he just he he felt this kind of desire to be a better person, and so he finds out about the U.S. Navy SEALs, right? When I think when he's sixteen, with and then he just basically goes and trains himself. He was a water polo player, and he, and he gets um, you know, he goes to you know, uh, what is it, the buds, right? I think that's what it's called. And, and he makes it through, which is amazing. And he becomes a SEAL, right? And then, you know, he gets deployed. Um, well, he's also then trained both as a medic, a corpsman, which I think a lot of people have a misperception of because, uh, you know, they think that, well, you, he's not going to fight, right? But uh, actually, you know, uh, medics are fighting and then they're also saving people's lives. And I think it was interesting because his motivation to be a medic was he just wanted to be the person that was always selected to go on missions. He wanted to go on missions. And someone told him, well, the, the medic always goes, right? And, he's like, and then, then strangely enough, once he was assigned to uh, his team, um, they were all out, out on uh, either a deployment. Um, no, they were there uh, on, on uh, when they were building up towards the deployment. So they were out, out on exercise, kind of fine-tuning everything. So he gets sent to sniper school. So he's a sniper as well, right? Which is quite extraordinary. Then he gets deployed and, you know, he does, I mean, he, you know, he, he, from the interviews I've seen, um, he, he does, you know, he's not a very, bo- well, he's the opposite of a boastful person. He's a very humble person, but he gets, you know, all these, um, commendations and, and awards, right. Um, for his, for his bravery, uh, and his, and his capacity to take care of his fellow soldiers. And then he, you know, gets a scholarship and he goes back to college and then he gets, becomes, uh, then he gets another scholarship and he goes to Harvard Medical School, right? So this has all been before the age of 30. So he's been a Navy SEAL. He's gone to Harvard Medical School. He's now a doctor. And then he gets, uh, he, he, you know, um, he, he decides that he's going to apply to NASA and then he becomes an astronaut. So I think like somewhere in his early 30s, he's become... He's become a Navy SEAL, a Harvard-trained doctor, and now he's a NASA astronaut, which I kind of imagine this is probably the one guy, if you're an Asian tiger mom, that you're like, no, he's okay. He's done well. (laughs) And it's really sweet because he attributes a lot of his success to his mom, right? Um, But the point that I was trying to make was he's got this very good interview with him and Jocko Wilnick, and he talks about – brotherhood and he talks about that that being the primary motivation um to to fight or persevere or do anything it's basically it's not for any grandiose um concept although of course you know it's important to care for your country and all that kind of thing but it's for the guy that was beside him and i found that to be very um very touching right you know i I think it's kind of like when uh, people were thinking about well how can i benefit people throughout this pandemic um how it's kind of like you know of course it's cool to to try to raise money for bigger causes but a lot of times it's just the guy on the street or your favorite restaurant there like everyone's out of business what can you do for them right Mm -hmm. and which was yeah you know that i guess you know you're talking about the watch industry and and i guess i agree that it's shrouded in in mysticism right (laughs) Basically, what the watch industry doesn't want the average guy to kind of realize is that watches. Want to hear the rest? The hot takes never stop over on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash blammo to hear this episode and many, many more episodes from the return of Sid Mashburn and the Sartorialist and more. You get access to our private Slack group too, where we talk about this stuff nonstop with tons of other listeners. 
So check out patreon.com forward slash blammo and we'll see you there.